I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, we are here with the Hollywood Life podcast and we are so excited today because I have got one of the stars of one of my very, very favorite shows that I've been waiting for so long to have it come back. We are here with Maren Hinkle, and she plays Rose, the mom, on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's so lovely, lovely to be here in New York on this day. <laughs> well, we are so happy to have you. And we're also, of course, here with Ali Stagnita, our on-air anchor and writer and our very silent producer, silent Nick. Producer. <laughs> and what's what, like, we only have, like... Like, well, I shouldn't say this because we are going to be running this when the show is starting. But for all of those who have been waiting, um, the new season of Mrs. Maisel starts December 5th on Amazon Prime, which means you can actually watch all 10 episodes in a row yes. if you can keep your eyes open, which with this show, it's not hard. Not hard it at is all. So, it's so gripping and engrossing. Thanks. Now... Um, for all of those who haven't been, uh, you know, watching every single episode, why don't you tell us a bit about your character, sure. Rose, because she has a very important role, which is going to get even bigger this season. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, as you know, uh, it's 1959, and we've got the heroine of our show is played by Rachel Brosnahan, and she is playing a character named Midge, as we know, and she has had an uprooted kind of upheaval in the first season where her husband has essentially walked out and she who is He the, was cheating on she, her. He was. I didn't I didn't mention that, but you're absolutely right. He <laughs> bad was boy. a bad boy with his secretary. Mm, and she breaks down one night in this extraordinary moment in the pilot episode and is drunk and in a stupor kind of gets herself on the subway and gets herself to this downtown nightclub where she had actually been kind of the brains behind her husband's stand-up comedy routines. And suddenly she gets on that stage and has that extraordinary moment where she explodes with her own humor. And then the rest of the season, as we know, is about her discovering that she has this magnificent gift of being a sort of the most brilliant stand-up comic that I've seen in a long time, along Absolutely. the lines of someone like Sarah Silverman. I think about her as a kind of 1959 Sarah Silverman. Or right. Joan Rivers. Or, right. Yes, and of course, 1959, that is a big deal because there's not that many oh, women sure. stand-ups. I mean, Joan Rivers is probably one of the few. Yeah, absolutely. And so what happens for my character, Rose, who is her mother, Upper West Side, very proper, elegant, um, also, I think, very witty woman, is that my daughter starts to separate from me. And there's a kind of independence that my daughter is, is facing that leaves me confused because it's a secret, this life that she's having in this 
downtown nightclub. And I do not know why my daughter's up at night and away from me. She has moved in with her kids. Right. She's got two little kids. Two adorable little kids who we don't see much in the show because (laughs) apparently in 1950s, the people, you know, didn't hang out with their kids the same way they do now, right? In the codependent Mm -hmm. umbrella Yeah, no, they didn't. (laughs) Um, So my daughter is is kind of finding herself. And what's uh, a catalyst for me in the second season is that I feel disillusioned by a betrayal that my daughters had that first season. And there's a secret life that my husband also has kept from me. Oh, and really? Yes. We so, didn't know about that. Well, I end up feeling like I have no support in the house. And um, if you remember in the first season, there's this scene in the temple where I erupt. And that kind of leads me to a feeling of, again, disillusionment. And what do I do? I end up on a plane. Should I say it? Yeah. Yes, to yes. Paris. To Paris. <laughs> and the, one of the most extraordinary things that I faced as an actor was I got a phone call about a month before we started shooting, and it was a producer saying, hey, wondering if you speak French. And I said, well, I did about 35 years ago. And they said, well, we're going to get you a tutor because we're heading to, to, to Paris. So I learned as quickly as I could, as much French conjugation as I could and ended up with the script only about a day or two before we got on the plane. And then we headed off to Paris and had three weeks there. And my character kind of explodes with a kind of independence in her 50s. She has a rebirth. Right. So she's having an awakening kind of like her daughter did. I think they kind of have a mirror of each other's lives. But what's interesting is the two of them don't know what each other is going through. So they send Midge to Paris, and she and my husband, played by the extraordinary Tony Shalhoub, who plays the character of Abe Weissman, and he ends up in Paris too. And then our our relationship had kind of suffered in its distance and kind of lack of romance. And Paris, as we all know, provides romantic life. And so you get to see that. And, and then the rest of the season has Rose kind of imbued with a new kind of strength. And it's it's really the the show is really really interesting because 1959 was a it was a very traditional time still for women and I think that women today don't realize that that's not that long ago and yet women had a very um, preconceived idea of what their role was like it was very much being a wife a homemaker and that's why it's your and your character really seems to represent that in the first season that she's the traditional wife and mother who's doing everything right and every day like you're dressed perfectly with perfect hair and makeup from the start of the day and kind of catering to your husband and yeah he does seem distant but Mm -hmm. that's more of a traditional old marriage Absolutely. And it's, it's uh, funny that yeah. you mentioned that, Bonnie, too, because I watched the show. Um, I watched it through myself and then I watched it again. I played it for my mom and my grandmother when we had a girls weekend and we sat together mm-hmm. and watched it. I was laughing my you know butt off. My mom loved it. Yeah. My grandma was sad. Oh, why? Because of the the what it was back then, yes. how women and, and she remembered it. And she remembered her mom well, and course. she remembered, you know, early in her marriage. And she, she, she really, she was laughing, but she also was like, it's sad. It's, it's was a sad way that we treated women and that mm-hmm. we, and that we, 
did that. Yes. We were like, this, this is our role. And it was very interesting, the three generations watching it. Um, and it was beautiful. And, and it started a really different conversation. A lot of people have come up to me and told me that they've watched it with their mothers in particular, if they're women. And I actually have a teenage son. Wasn't quite sure if he'd take to it. And he loved it How as old is well. He? He's 15. And I, I think the too. reason he, he liked it too is that, that Rachel plays a character who has a spirit that is so um, intelligent and brave and butting up against a system and a system that, as you just said, we both, I mean, her character and mine are facing sort of a male-dominant world and trying to actually... You know, use our our intelligence in ways that uh, men are are sometimes squashing, and w- w- let's face it, this Me Too movement has shown that there isn't a whole lot of movement that, that yeah. has gone yeah. on. It's a lot less has moved forward, yes. and also, you know, I think the political scene too has shown us that as well. Absolutely, we thought we had certain gains, and now we're being kind of smacked back down. Yes, but the in your. Um, Rachel's character is um, Midge. I mean, she is really um, going against what, like she's breaking rules for women, for a woman to get up on a stage and to do stand up then and the things that she's talking about, about her marriage and her husband's mistress. Like she's like breaking the wall. Apparently even in a nightclub, a comedy club saying the word pregnant was unallowed. You are not actually allowed to address the fact that you gave birth as if that was a, you know, swear or I don't know what, as if that's like an unheard of thing. The way that I think, you know, years ago talking about needing to breastfeed. I was just noticing in your extraordinary offices here that you have these women's Areas where people are totally allowed to have peace and quiet while they breastfeed. Well, that was unheard of, right? Right. Well, that reminds me that my mom, when she was pregnant with me, she was a teacher, Mm -hmm. an elementary school teacher, and she was forced to quit because you weren't allowed to be pregnant and in the classroom. Wow. Incredible. Why? And why was that? And that was that time period because I would. Yeah, it was and like how, in the 50s. And then mm-hmm. how could people then at that time not feel a kind of shame then about about choosing motherhood as as a choice that's it's, uh, just as appall- appalling as you as you were talking about about your grandma it just Women that watch this of that generation, I think they do. Mm-hmm. They feel this recognition of what they faced then and and also, yeah, connection. And and also sometimes, as you said, an ability to laugh at, at what was then and what, mm-hmm. what is still now. I wonder too if um, there were so many more more women, especially Upper West Side Jewish women, yeah. because that is was is where the show's focused. But also, that is where a lot of women were kind of you know told what to do by their right. husbands kept in and, conventional and kept, roles. Exactly. Um, I wonder if there were so many women that wanted to go to Paris and wanted mm-hmm. to just leave. And so, in the first episode, because this will be posted after. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it drops. So in the first episode, you go to Paris and you say, like we said before, you when Midge looks at you and says, I missed you, Mama, you said, I miss you more. I, I missed me more. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of even today women have that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have kids and you get kind of you're giving, giving, giving so yeah. much of yourself. And when you hit, you know, in your 50s, yeah. you're you need to do stuff for you. So how was it? acting that role and did you even have some personal realizations yourself yeah 
Well, it was interesting when they even did that phone call and asked me if I spoke French. I thought, why haven't I taken classes like a French <laughs> class? What has been going on that I was sort of quieting my brain in some ways? And um, I am in my 50s. I'm exactly the right age for, for this role. And I have to say that going to a class or having a tutor and learning something again, it, it, it sort of sparked my interest in why don't I go back to college? Why don't I get another degree? You know, these are things. And so, yes. And then when I headed to Paris, I don't, I have, a, as I said, a teenager and I don't really travel so much anymore, partially because I wanted to always make sure I was home with him. Right. But like, what would you feel guilty? Why not mm-hmm. take a week by myself or with other girlfriends? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great things about the scenes in Paris is they actually have Rose hanging out with younger women. And then that continues to in when she heads back to New York, her husband actually opens up and invites her to come up to Columbia and take classes. Right, because he's a professor, a he's, mathematics professor in the show. Exactly. And I love the fact that something in her is being fired up, that she is reminding herself that she has gifts that she has probably put away as mm-hmm. she raised her, her own kids. I still think in the fifties, though, for uh, care, like for in for you to do that to just take off, yeah, leave your husband it was huge. Right, that was huge. It was huge. It is a huge well, thing. You notice she has a struggle when she comes back because she isn't really able to to lead the life that her daughter is sort of secretly leading. And she ends up back at Columbia, as I said, taking classes. And there's this scene, if you remember, did you see the scene where I actually, maybe you haven't seen this yet, but there's a scene where I, without giving too much away, I hang out with other female students and actually tell them or question them about why they're even in college, why they're doing this. Why don't they go connect to the men in the business school? So that is almost a seeming contradiction, but it's because... What do you mean, connect to the men in like the business school? Like connect, date, date get interested oh, in them, allow them... Get a them, missus degree. You got it. Get <laughs> one of the missus degrees. So that's sort of a funny part of Rose, that even though she has like half of her that's intrigued by mm-hmm. the notion of growing, she's also still relying on what she knew and knows is, the, is what she considers the proper way of being. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, this is also, interestingly, the same time period that Ruth Bader Ginsburg Uh was actually in um, college College. and then in law school and like being one of only nine women Mm -hmm. in a class of 500 men and then not being able to get a job at at any New York City law firm because she was a woman. So that is the same time period that this show is set in. Why do you think that the show has been such a hit? What do you think the big, the tremendous appeal is? I think it it starts, frankly, from from the extraordinary performance that Rachel's giving as Midge. She, you know, we we do like to look at. We're a culture that loves superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. And in her own way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, she's a kind of intellectual and artistic and, you know, just witty superhero. 
because she's a heroine who's, as I said earlier, kind of bucking up against a system that's squelching her. And she finds a way to push through. And she does it with such class and, mm-hmm. and doesn't give up the elegance of her time. She doesn't, you know, dr- to be honest, she doesn't dress like a man. She actually remains no. just as connected to mm-hmm. fashion and how she puts herself together. No, she's very 50s, she, like you. Yes. Like you, she's dressing like to perfection. Oh, the fashion is... is a, outrageous how beautiful it is, right? Beyond. Stunning. Beyond. Donna Zakowska, who does the costumes, is a magician, a genius. I wish she could dress all of us at all times. And so each day we have new costumes that she's creating. And I love that you don't find, you know, Midge needing to pretend to be anything other than the the woman that she has loved being on top of it now this kind of other life. Right. Well, she's like, she's an Upper West Side Jewish princess. Yes. Who's done... All of the Jewish princessy things. Yep. She married the right guy. Yep. Had the two kids. Right? Had the two kids. Boom, boom. Um, and was in that traditional role until, except that even at her wedding, yeah. she right. broke out and That's she right. did a speech. She broke convention. Yes. But her husband cheating forces her into this new, liber- more liberated life. Right. So I think that now women and men want someone to connect mm-hmm. to that kind of inspires them. And I think Rachel is providing that in, in the way she's offering the role. And also just Amy and Dan, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino are writing this witty dialogue. Right. They're the, the director, creators, Producer, writers. They're sort of the everything. people. Yeah, they're the everything. Though tours, as they say, right? And they are making characters that are not succumbing to sort of lowbrow humor. That it's it's so smart, isn't it? That oh. repartee, that kind of dialogue doesn't sort of stoop to try and say, hey, everybody, like, look at what I'm feeling. Try and, you know, laugh with me. They're not spoon feeding. And audiences are really smart. Like, that's why my teenage son loves it. He said to me afterwards, mom, it's not like humor that's saying like, hi, I'm dumbing down to you. It's actually so smart that I want to watch it twice Mm -hmm. or three times to kind of figure out what they were just saying. I did, too. I watched season one three different times, and I laughed at different things every time. And even in, and it has stayed the same, or even gotten better in the second season. I mean, when when um, Abe is tipping the taxi driver and he's like, you're welcome for the tip or D-Day, whichever one. You know, <laughs> you have to be smart to like know exactly right, right, what he's what talking he's about. He's in Paris. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hysterical yeah. and smart. And it's very similar to Amy and Dan with Gilmore Girls and Lorelai. And it's so right for them to create these Jewish characters, I have to say, because Lorelai and and... Um, it, she essentially was, you know, it's like one of the, it, she just, it's the uh, Jewish it, kind of version Jewish of that. Humor. Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. I just, I love it. I love it. But you don't even have to be, you don't have to be Jewish to watch it or understand it too, which is why I no, think it's so or an, widespread. Or a New Yorker. No. The but other, I, I agree other... with you that it's the intelligence mm-hmm. of the show yeah. that is a real, has a real appeal. And there's a, and there's a visual delight that people are having. As you said, the costumes, the sets. Can we talk about the sets oh, for a second? Stunning. Bill Groom is our production designer and he has a vision that he's giving you that feels like an extraordinary musical. You know how when people watch, for instance, La La Land or, you know, various things like that that are just so stunning and vibrant. I think of Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. the buzz, you know, Lorman film, right? These are pictures that you get to take in. And at this time when our country needs a little jovial, 
respite from some of the challenge and complication and, of what people, and some positivity and some positivity this show does provide that i think mm-hmm. that it's perfect it's coming out during a holiday time oh yeah because it's the kind of thing you want your family to sit down and laugh at with each other mm-hmm. and not just that too the music yep i mean that's just another uh, addition i love the music, the upbeat, jazzy, yep. and even during like sad times in the show, they add in that like upbeat, you know, Barbara Streisand. Yep. It's music. It's Judy beautiful. Garland, it's, yeah. yeah it, it does. Now, she, um, Midge, your daughter, she ends up um, meeting the very famous comic Lenny Bruce, yes. who is, um, I mean, Lenny Bruce is no longer alive, so he's being played by somebody, and she, he ends up. He she bails him out of jail and he helps her out later. Have you guys heard anything from Lenny's daughter? Because she she is around. She is around. Um, Luke Kirby is playing Lenny Bruce and he's extraordinary. I mean, he's got him down to a T. I think he's probably watched everything probably a million times over. And in the second season, you'll see even more of him. And I love that I have not heard actually from his daughter. Um, maybe Amy and Dan have gotten some letters. I think there was a reach out to her. But I, I have to say that one of the things that's extraordinary is that they are obviously this is fantasy in a way because we don't know if Lenny had a relationship with a young com- yes. comedian. Right. <laughs> but um, he is her inspiration in a way, right? It was that first season where she went to see him yes. and was spellbound by him, and now it's and he sort of broke all the rules, broke all the rules, and now it kind of turns itself around in the second season where he takes her in and is a little spellbound by what she's doing. So the two of them, as I'm sure happens in any artistic life, the two of them are sort of fodder for each other's work. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love when you've got two people that are brilliant and of the opposite sex, or just, it could be same sex, mm-hmm. and they're providing this kind of dynamic. And I know a lot of audiences like, oh, I want to see them get together. Right, because right. there's chemistry. Right, there's incredible chemi- chemistry. But there's actually a new love interest that Midge has this year, which I'm not going to talk about. I'm just going to let everybody sort of watch and into the fifth or sixth episode, you'll meet a man that is played by Zach Levy. And um, that's uh, a dream. And they have kind of a Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy uh, relationship. And it's, it's wonderful to watch. Oh, Joel. <laughs> Joel messed up. No, we have Joel in the, in not in the background. There's been, you know, they share kids. They share a love and respect for each other. And I will say you will find um, them a little back and forth as well. Yeah, I think because we know that um, this is season two and that there's got to be, there's definitely going to be more seasons. I think season three has already been given mm-hmm. the go ahead. So, in my mind, I'm keeping Joel. Joel is like he's there. Yes, hovering that um, they could circle back. You know, people love a love triangle. Yes, so. they do. <laughs> I promise there will definitely be a triangle or a square. I or was a, about to know, say a, a square because yeah. I even think of Susie. I mean, obviously, oh, it's not yes. a romantic relationship, but Susie's got her in her, you know, pocket. In and, her pocket. She's like, you're doing this for for us. <laughs> that, that relationship is Susie is the man is um is her manager. Yes. yes. And and the two of them are opposites in a way in terms of the way Susie dresses in the show and doesn't cares not for what she mm-hmm. appears to you know to present. And Susie comes from very little money and has you'll meet a, a to be honest you're going to meet her family mm. which are delightful crazy wonderful characters this mm-hmm. year. And the two of them it's an opposites attract. They they go on a trip together. 
Actually, oh, that'll be you're funny. You're going to see that. Or Thelma and Louise, yes. shall we say, of uh, a Jewish comedy team. And Susie is is just as brilliant, I think. And in another life, Susie would have been a performer. Mm-hmm. And she's played by the remarkable Alex Borstein, who Amazing. won an Emmy, also with Rachel winning an Emmy. We won a lot of Emmys. You guys, oh, yes, congratulations. And, and the yes. good news about that is, I, who cares about the awards? But maybe that means more people will tune in and say, what is the show? Mm-hmm. And and then and have sort of the joy of the show. But yeah, I agree with you. There are a couple scenes that the two of them have in coffee shops where their banter is a kind of love story yes. and you can see that they're sort of falling for each other that way not necessarily a sexual relationship because at the time perhaps but it's sort of more... Hepburn and Spencer Tracy as well yeah. because they're opposites there's friction mm-hmm. but and but all Midge wants is is to be her friend yes <laughs> and does. Susie doesn't struggles to let everyone sure in I and have a, fr- a girlfriend yeah. like you yeah you and know. she's like can I have your fries though Yes, you know, exactly. if you say you're my friend. Exactly. <laughs> Why do you think in general that there is just, we've seen this explosion of really great television? Mm-hmm. Like on one yeah. hand, you know, there's good film, but there's fewer films, far fewer films today than ever. Yeah. And yet TV options exploding. I, I you know, I, I think about it as a generation where people are on their technology and to be honest, and this isn't a good thing, I don't think people are leaving the house as much as they had in the past where you'd commune with others in some sort of common place. You'd go to movie theaters or you'd go to the village square, et cetera. I think people like to stay home. And I think that uh, it's an easy, easier way of offering people a journey like you would see with a Dickens novel in the past or on a radio show or, um, as you said, even going to movies. Uh, I, I think people also like the episodic nature now of binging something Mm -hmm. and delighting in in those stories that they can get involved with and the characters that can become sort of like friends Mm -hmm. like you would if you had a great novel if you're reading a harry potter if you're a kid now you can watch stranger things you can invest in characters in a way that i don't think you can find in films Mm -hmm. yes and also you can keep repeat visiting your friends yes yes instead of having to wait like years for a sequel of a film i mean though we did have to wait a little i think a little too long Long for this (laughs) thank you you could have just gone visit them on set they're filming here in new york come visit we like our set visits but i do think also that the create the creative life that TV is offering is just as robust and maybe even more imaginative Mm -hmm. than what the film life, and perhaps that's because films are too expensive to make. I'm not quite sure, although TV is really expensive to make too. But I I do think that people are, uh, the offerings are so vast. You look at something like Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. and then you look at something, you know, more delicate and or peculiar as like Silicon Valley or Mm -hmm. something, right? And, And just these different scopes of of lives that people can journey into. And you really get to know your character and you yeah. get to create the backstory and create kind of help create what's going forward and you get to be with her for a while. What yeah. do you feel like is the thing that you have learned most from Rose that maybe you take with you today in life? You know, I think she's brave about um, 
even commenting on things that she she's you could argue she's she passes judgment but i think what she does is invest in her own opinion and i find myself more muted as time went on in my life i got nervous to actually express what i most think i don't know why that was i wish that i you know as a kid i think i was a, a much more confident child i think a lot of women feel that way I, I that agree. they feel when their children are early teenagers that they are confident in themselves and then when they get to teenagehood, they start with insecurity and that yep. continues. And then it continues. So I would love to take Rose's kind of um, chutzpah, mm. so to speak, her her ballsiness, the idea that when she is mad at somebody, um, she it can explode. And she doesn't necessarily always temper what she's feeling. And I love that about her. And yet she also at times when she's around those in the community that uh, she needs to pretend to, to, she ends up covering too. So she's not, it's not that she's always an explosive person, but I think she allows to, for her own passionate feelings to be expressed. And I, I hope I could take some, some of that. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Well, I'm I'm glad that we are going to see that because in the first season, she was yeah, so covered. composed. Yep. And, and you didn't really have the hint of that. Yeah. So I think it's going to be very exciting um, to go on Rose's journey Thanks. with this season. And thank Thanks. you so much for coming it's in a, to, to, to talk in. to yeah. us, um, Maren. And please come back. I and, will. Uh, <laughs> I will. And, and all of you that are listening, I hope you enjoy the show. And it's really a show that seems to have something for everyone. So give it a it shot. Does. Absolutely. So everyone, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Amazon Prime December 5th you can you can watch one episode or you can <laughs> watch binge ten. on it all Thanks. <laughs> yes yay thank, thank you. you thanks bye